0: Well, hello there. Hey there. Hi there. This is Jim the Keys Bartender. The Keys Bartender podcast is about bartending and uh, life. And I guess we're going to be talking about bartending life. I'm starting tomorrow is one of my first training shifts at the next place I'm working. So that's, uh, I did go over it. You know, yeah, you got to, I know how to bartend, but I got to use their POS system and get used to how they do things and do it the way they like, and I'm all good about that. You know, I I, I understand. I'll be working someplace else. I'm not one of those persons that say, "Hey, yeah, uh, yeah, that's how you, yeah, yeah, yeah." I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. No, uh, I go and watch them. I say, "Oh, that's how you do it. Great. That's how I'll do it then." And that's it. Now. I told you about my strategy of doing a part-time jobs, uh, multiple part-time jobs, because I, I get a little bored with that. So I've been interviewing, and the places I've been interviewing have been offering, most of them have been offering part-time. And the first uh, two jobs, uh, the first job they wanted me to work full-time, and I tried it out, and it wasn't really... For, I know it sounds like I'm picky, but I'm not, I don't want to, I'm at a point in my life, I don't want to get stuck in a job that I really don't enjoy at a place. So I was going to, uh, not the place I'm going to tomorrow, but I'm going to do an on, the onboarding process. And I told you a little of it. It was, it's a big corporation. Uh, they have a very exact, the onboarding program with the orientation program. It's mostly online, talking about diversity, how the bartend and their views on bartending on service and this and that, which perfectly fine, perfectly fine understand it. There were other things that had to do with retail uh, because they're a big retail company, and I didn't think they were rather pertinent to what I was doing, but Under the auspices of what I was hired, the understanding when I was interviewing was that I would be part-time. And when I went to see their HR person, the HR person said, so you're going to be full-time. I said, no, no, I was hired. I mean, I applied when the the job I applied for was part-time when I applied for it over a month ago. And when I interviewed for it, they told me it was part-time. I said it was fine with that. And they said, oh, some shifts may become available. And I said, you know what? I may be fine with whatever you have to offer right now. So I go in today, and it was a follow-up on my last week doing some of the on-screen learning, online learning. And I sit down. I'm talking. And they said one of the the regional manager was there. And he was making up the schedule and I'm going, he's making up the schedule. How's he making up the schedule Well, he's making up the schedule right now for you? I said, how's he making up the schedule for me? We didn't even talk. It's a part-time job. No, you can't just, you you can, but if it's a part-time job, you have to check to see if the person's available. Right? (laughs) So I said to the HR person, I said, I think we should talk to, you know, see what, days are going to be talking about at this point I was feeling I was feeling a little hinky about the job I was getting a bad vibe because they were you know trying to take up i was trying to take up maybe I'm reading it wrong but they they didn't inform me about all these uh, requirements for hiring I didn't have a problem with the drug test or the background check uh, or even the orientation But I would like the little heads up when you're doing online orientation that they're going to be doing a six to seven hour online orientation because you might have something else you have to do. Have another, you know, if you're getting a part time job, I said, if you have a part time job, that means uh, for most people that they have another job. And when are are they available? How are they available for, for six hours? That's normally with a part time job occurs and i i was concerned about being locked into a full-time job and some bigger companies have a tendency to th- it, it, that they want to take uh, all your time when you work for them full-time especially in a restaurant you say you're going to take all of it now when you're applying for a part-time job the understanding is they're going to see when you're available and I think I gave them some of their availability, but there was no details at this point. It's been, uh, the onboarding process was about three weeks. And I told them I was looking at other jobs. And as it turns out, one job already, uh, hired me and scheduled me. So I said, listen, I'm working another job. So I have to really talk to him about that. So she uh, said, well, the regional managers next door right now i was in the retail store on the second floor talking to the um, woman and she uh said oh he's next door uh let me give him a call so she gives him a call and i talked to him and he says well listen from what i understand and and the woman the the hr uh, manager said oh you're going to be bartending and serving i said no I'm, I'm bartending i have nothing against serving but you know i intended to to work as a bartender. I don't look down on serving. It's just like, I really, I rather enjoy bartending mostly. It's my thing. So, uh, the, uh, I hear about that and I said, know, maybe I should talk to this gentleman or he should talk to me about that. So I, I get on the phone he says, yes, I am, uh, yeah, I'm looking for someone. You're going to be bartending. You're going to be doing a couple uh, serving shifts. I said, I'm only working part time there. And uh, he said, My understanding is we're looking for someone that's 100% available. So uh, I was never 100% available, even when I didn't have another job, which I do. I have two other jobs. And I have to work around that because they committed first. And he said, uh, oh you know what I'm going to grab the manager food and beverage manager we'll be right over there so I'm sitting there I'm, I'm not the least bit uh, anxious because at this point I'm feeling as if this is not a very good fit for me because we could have settled everything over the phone and say listen is that what you want you need someone full time then obviously I'm not the person for you so they walk over and i they come in the office where the hr manager is the hr manager is sitting the food and beverage manager is standing there and the regional manager and he came over and said, listen it was my understanding we were hiring someone as 100 percent." and i said well it was my understanding i was part-time and the food manager said i'm sorry and i said ah, i'm sorry too but i said oh well thank you for the opportunity i'm glad we figured this out right now. So I shook the hand of the HR woman and the food and beverage manager and the regional manager. And I took off my employee tag and ended my very short tenure at this company. But the very interesting thing about it, my gut was making me queasy about the job for some reason. When uh, these things were occurring like they were talking about benefits and this and that full-time working full-time and education and opportunities said listen i'm looking for bartending you you know you're in a resort area you need part-time people to beef up your staff when it gets busy and they seemed to want to go another direction which i was fine though. way in the end But up to that point, I'm saying, I'm not going to be stuck at a place. uh, You know the process. You get hired, you work there. It ends up being two, three months into season. It's coming to about a a month before uh, our busy season's over. What am I supposed to do then? Look for a job when it's downturn? I have to be in place this month to be able to take advantage of working uh, the, in the slow period. Because people aren't going to be hiring. And if they do, it's going to be few and far between. So as I was leaving, I I spoke to the wife and she was saying, "Oh, you know, relax, don't be bothered by this. And I said, I'm not bothered at all. I was kind of grateful that they made their point clear to me when I was, you know, my expectation, my expectation was a part-time job. I was looking for three shifts, sometimes four or five. Yes. I mean, I could do that. That would, four, four would end up being like uh, 30, 30 hours, 32. And I probably with the other one, it ended up being like 56, 60 hours. I can handle that. (laughs) During four several months during the it's only four months during the busy season and during the busiest times I think I'd be able to swing it, but I'd have to have a little leeway. And I wasn't getting the vibe from these people that they had much leeway. They wanted uh into to put it bluntly, they wanted to own my ass. And I, I'm I'm kind of done with that, where some company expects that uh, you're at their beck and call because when I'm in work when I'm in work and doing my job I'm trying I would like to do the very best I could do but I also would like to not feel obligated to be at their beck and call and then I could pivot if another opportunity comes around with one job With one full time job, there's virtually no room to pivot. With two part time jobs, you could drop the part time job and go try something else. And that's just the way I was thinking. And and some people say, oh, Jim, it just doesn't work that way. Well, in a tourist destination like this, it does kind of work that way. Or it's a possibility if you look in various different places that you will get that kind of uh, work pattern that you're looking for. And I think it's much more, you know, it's better. It's better for people to find out what they like to do and an environment they might like to work in. than taking a job in an environment that they're not feeling very comfortable with. So leaving today wasn't that big a deal to me so i'd like to think what you think uh what what you would think about that and i'm hoping i think i made the right decision and i don't think there would they i don't think they gave me any opportunity to make another decision but it, it, it made made me a little more relaxed and right after right after i did that i got a call from someone that they needed a notary um down there so I went and did a little notary jo- a job so that's my if you take my notary and wedding officiating and the exercise job and the 3 4 shifts I'm going to be working at this other job some people may see that as full time but actually I'm there's one other there's another job at a place they're going to be looking for me on the shift they're trying to fill is Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday evening, which probably would work really well for me. I'm hoping it does. So I'm going to take a little break right now. I'll be right back in a moment, and we'll do our second half of the show. Okay, we're back. I I mentioned several weeks ago that I came across this show called This Irish American Life, and it's From it originally was started by this husband and wife team of Mark O'Toole and his wife Catherine. And Catherine actually created it, but Mark eventually just did the podcast by himself. And the show is called This Irish American Life. And I was looking for a show I like from NPR called This American Life. And if you know This American Life, it's kind of like a middle of the road uh show an npr show and some people may find it boring well i came upon this show called this irish american life and this guy was um kind of i i hate the um uh, he's edgy certainly edgy a little it might seem he may appear to be schizophrenic or schizophrenic, whatever the proper pronunciation of that. But he was living in London at the time. He was working as a uh, stand up comedian. His wife is too, but his wife stopped doing the show. So it was just Mark, Mark O'Toole. And he said things about, he would be talking about Jesus, Allah, Buddha, and praying to all of them, praying to Satan one day, talking about, um, crack i don't know if he's using crack as the drugs or he's using the word crack as a drug or cracker like the the, the irish shoes meaning that you know that's a great thing it's cracker so he would he would talk about so many things he wasn't he the nice thing about it he, he wasn't uh blatantly uh he wasn't crude or lewd, but he was a little outrageous, a little outrageous with these things. And he would comment on uh, a little uh, political situations, cultural situations. Uh, he was all over the board, taking both sides when the, when the Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict, Hama, Israeli-Hamas, He was all over that. He was one side. One day he was with Israel. One day he was with Hamas, going back and forth. And he'd say things. And whenever he said something, just to make it uh, impugn that he was joking, he would play applause start playing applause and his opening you can see how frenetic that his opening is a series of sounds and it it just seems to work the first time i heard it i thought uh i heard other shows before where people were um it's as if the frenetic or psychopathic rantings had a uh had a method and a plan and a structure and he kind of does that sometimes in the beginning he sounded like it's as if he was selfish uh one time he went on in th- the end i just wanted to say he was brilliant he was funny as hell i'm just laughing when i hear that, this guy and he would talk about his comedy shows he'd uh repeatedly mention that he uh thinks there's no one listening or five people listening i think he has more than those people but i think he's the production quality show he doesn't i think he does a better job than i do with the his sound and uh mark would go on these uh certain tirades the first show i heard from him was a show he did from someone's it was a it was uh on december 12th and he do and most of his shows are between uh nine and 15 minutes at most and he would talk about a show he, did. he used to do one at pizza albania in london and they give him a free beer i don't even know if he got paid to do the show but he did a comedy show and he get pizza you always get a pizza and he was always kind of hinting at the pizza albania was like a little hole in the wall but i don't know what it's like it could be a, a nice place and he was talk about how shitty his show was and i've seen his comedy on youtube and you should, you can always go to youtube and check out marco tool uh, i think his podcast that is edgier than his stand-up because he always talks about in on his podcast, whenever he feels a little maudlin, he will talk about his seventeen-inch serrated hunting blade, and he'll talk about cutting people's scalps off, and then he play the applause, not applause, laughing, laugh Jack. He just mentioned to his wife, and I'll tell you about when he, what just happened though, so. I'm listening to to him, and he's saying all these really interesting th- things. So he did one show in someone's kitchen, him and another he and another comedian uh, in December, and he said it was Asian women. It turned out it was uh, the man up in Asian. There was a a police officer heckling him in the kitchen. And was talking about he was eating cheese and drinking malt wine i think he said malt wine because he has that irish accent it's hilarious and then um he stops doing a show he had about 175 episodes something similar to that and he stopped doing a show and i needed a fix just his observations so i started to uh look him up you i'm trying to message him and and give him a little you know feedback because he always says no one ever sends him a, no one ever sends him a message no one ever calls him up i once again i i said on one of the previous shows i don't ever remember him giving out his phone number to call him up i wouldn't call him up i did uh uh eventually ask uh, uh i did eventually ask him to come on the show here so when he settles down i think he's going to be in australia um in the next week or two with his wife so what happened it turned out when i finally got a hold of him like i i texted him on uh from his instagram account on his facebook account he came in back and he told me he was moving and i thought he was moving back to ireland turned out i think he's in the united states i think he's in um, California, and he was living in London. I was moving. He was talking about how crazy his neighbor is, and how much his neighbor, this woman neighbor, woman who was. Uh, and even the some of the shit he says about them are hilarious. Hilarious the shit he said about them. So he's leaving. They for four almost four weeks. He didn't do an episode, and he was doing an episode. Sometimes he do two episodes a day, a nine minute and 40, 15 minute show. And finally, I I look today, and it says, expelled from England or London. And it's his wife's there. And his wife seems to be, um, she's funny. She's funny. She's a stand-up also. And uh, she's laying into him pretty hard, uh, which is not unlike a wife. My wife can do it, too. And I find it funny. And Mark's just going ahead saying his shit when he's doing a show. And she's saying, You know, this was my show. And he said, Why didn't you, you know, you never, he always invited her to come on and she wouldn't go on the show. So he just took over the show. He says, Well, we could both do our own shows and all that. But they tell their tasks about what they, um how they left. And I found it very interesting. It was informative. They said, well, um, The, renting a a flat in London, which is their word for apartment. Uh, they're very, they have a very stringent, uh, security deposit on their, uh, what is that? A very, a very stringent. Oh, okay. That's interesting. A very uh, a stringent security deposit uh, uh, thing where you they go in like a fine-toothed comb. I've been in uh, Philadelphia and um, Baltimore where people check out the apartment when you leave to see what condition it's in. Well, in London, they make you hire a professional cleaner to detail the apartment. And they went through all this stuff and it turned out Mark the night before uh, they had it done. And it turned out that if you slept in it after they detailed the apartment, it would void the guarantee that the cleaning would give you that it would pass the, um, the rental agent's inspection. And while they're, Right before the rental agent was showing up, a couple hours before, uh, Mark came down with uh, some type of food poisoning and got sick all over the, the bathroom. They just cleaned and they had to clean it up. And, it was a fun, and he ended up shitting his pants. I mean, that's good podcasting. And my wife asked me, she goes, Do you believe they're telling the truth? I said, I believe they're telling the truth. No one would tell the, you know, story about that. I've never even told a story about that where it's happened. And everyone had even, you know, everyone that's been a baby has shit their pants. And most people as adults have once have shit their pants. Sometimes you go and you just can't control it. It does. Some people do it frequently more than others. And I apologize if you're listening to the show while we're you're eating. I would suggest not to always you know, be careful. I guess I gave you a warning. If you're eating, don't think Jim's going to be talking about someone shitting himself. But he talks about that and having the, no place to really go to clean himself out. And they had to go to Heathrow after that. And they were doing this inspection right before. And the wife told the story. It took about 30, 30 minutes. And I thought it was riveting. Riveting. So, I spent a half hour so I mean, I, I spent a half hour listening to the show. It was 45 minutes long, about three times longer. And I just realized I'm a fanboy of this Irish American life. Uh, I don't know if I have anybody like that there, but I find this guy intriguing. Now, you're not gonna, I would suggest to you, if you're a person that's easily offended. Uh, I noticed people. Uh, there's a little buzz. It was on Facebook. Someone, some woman who was only several years older than me, said, "Do not watch the movie Saltburn with uh, uh, what's the name of the guy? I forget the name of the guy. The guy that was in Euphoria and the young fellow that was in Dunkirk." And I think, oh God, I am drawing that Jacob Lordy, Jacob Lordy, and the guy who was kind of like the protagonist in it you if you're a movie fan you'll know you'll know this guy and there's some disgusting scenes in it but it's an edgy it's an edgy movie you know if you like the exorcist um some of the sexual uh came, the things they mention it's just yeah a little a little bit edgy so people these people are commenting how disgusting the the movie was and uh, the woman made in her post and then everyone commented on it and I'm ready to go. You know, if you're easily offended by graphic imagery, perhaps you shouldn't watch that stuff. I didn't purposely, I've still not seen the movie Human Centipede. I'm not offended by the idea that the movie was made. I've seen the movie Pink Flamingos with uh, Divine in it. And I think at one point Divine runs off and eats a pile of dog shit and performs – I I don't want to go into detail on that stuff, but it was uh, John Waters' movie. Very edgy. I don't I didn't necessarily think it was a um, great movie, but it did catch, you know, just for some reason it did – I don't know what they were trying to accomplish. And if art makes you think, then it just made me think, why would someone do something like that? But I did not go and cry in the corner, hugging my pillow and shit my pants. And if someone watched the whole movie Saltburn, and then at the end, realized that it was disgusting you stayed through all that stuff you stayed i mean i imagine the same person that would sit through porn and go oh this is horrible this is horrible and watch the whole thing let me tell you something most guys that watch porn only watch porn for one it You know, there was one point why they watch porn. It's to gratify themselves and to physically gratify themselves. I'm not going to get it. You guys are smart. You guys are smart. I don't have to go and say what, what guys do when they're watching porn. Not too many people sit around and watch it. And in order to get the whole story. Oh, I wonder what happens to the plumber. Because he showed up at that woman's house. And she had she had gotten her uh, bathrobe caught in the drain. You know, I just, I would like to see what happened. That's the only reason. No, it isn't. So don't be offended. And if you are easily offended and you, you're one of those people that say, oh, that's disgusting. Don't, don't listen to this irish american life, but if you're not and you're intrigued by weirdness and uh outrageous ideas give it a listen well thank you this is jim the keys bartender i'll be back again i don't know if tomorrow i got three days uh, ahead of me i think wait i have a later day on thursday so i'll probably drop a show on thursday have a great day bye